KOSU makes your day complete, keeping you informed about the important stories of the day. But we can only do that through the generosity of your support. Give online today at donate.kosu.org. Hi, I'm Matthew Viriapa, and you're listening to KOSU's music podcast, Songwriters and Tour Writers. On this episode is singer-songwriter Thunder Jackson. I've been crawling out my skin. Kyle Bradley was raised in Piedmont, Oklahoma, but his alter ego, Thunder Jackson, was born in Los Angeles, California, after years of playing in smoky bars and open mics since he was a teenager. He released his debut album in 2020, but after its release, he said that music wasn't making sense to him anymore. It wasn't until he moved back to Oklahoma where he found the inspiration to create again. You know, I almost quit music. I almost, you know, just decided to live this other life because I just couldn't figure out who I wanted to be anymore until I moved back to Oklahoma. He released an EP titled Take Me Back last fall and is working on new music while splitting his time between LA and Oklahoma. In this episode, hear Thunder Jackson talk about how his father was an Elvis impersonator and got him a license to play in bars as a teenager, creating Thunder Jackson and returning to Oklahoma. So easy to be led, led My name is Thunder Jackson, or Kyle Bradley is the it's my real name, but Thunder Jackson's what we go by nowadays, and uh, I've been doing this for what feels like forever, uh, since I've been a child. Uh, about 13 years old, I've been playing in smoky bars in Oklahoma, and smoky bars in LA, smoky bars in, <laughs> in millions of different places, and then now it has led me to this, this point in my life where I would say I'm very much more relaxed in making an album and, and uh, uh, much more focused on, on an album-based than playing in smoky bars-based. <laughs> so you're originally from Oklahoma. Where in Oklahoma are you from? I was born in, uh, in Edmond, Oklahoma. I grew up a lot of my life in Piedmont, which is you know, pretty close to like Yukon, Deer Creek area. So I ended up finishing my adolescent life in Piedmont, America. And then uh, I moved to LA right when I was 18. So I didn't spend a lot of time in Oklahoma after high school. But yeah, I mean, I love, I love being from Oklahoma. I always loved Piedmont. I always thought it was, it was, it was great. I mean, it's such a small town, small community, but something just so human about living in places like that, you know, the way your daily life was, was so, uh, so different than what it is now. Um, and I, I think I base a lot of my my art off of living that, that sort of very uh, simple simple life is, is not really the way to describe it, but I just always think it was, it was just so human. It was just it was just this niceness and little things meant a lot more than I feel like they do now. So I, I always love Piedmont for that for that reason. You're in LA right now and you kind of split your time between Oklahoma and LA. This is a it's a new thing. I mean, I was in LA for eight years. Uh, I, I was just kind of hitting a point in my life where I was I was getting a little sucked in by 
one kind of storyline, which was, I live in LA and I'm an LA artist. So I decided to uh, basically just move back to Oklahoma where I was, I went back on a trip and I, and I met up with some of my, my friends in Oklahoma, some, some local musicians around there. And we had a little jam in a, in a room and I, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, I mean, you guys are the best I've ever seen. <laughs> You know, what happened is I came back to L.A. and I was just feel like I was missing out on, you know, learning myself and, and, and growing myself musically and, and, and being around these amazing musicians that all they do is just make music and create all day with, without any other reason besides that's all they can do. So then I packed up my van and drove back out to Oklahoma and I was, and I was there pretty much full time. I'm basically just kind of living in both places as much as I can, uh, separating the time, but... Feels like I've been more here recently just because we're in the middle of a new record right now. and So it's kind of just record time. I do miss my band and I can't wait to get back to Oklahoma. When did you start playing music? Whew, well, my I was probably around, I don't know, 13 years old when, when I really uh, kind of picked up a guitar and uh, was able to like actually play music, you know, like able to play songs and covers. And my dad growing up was he was in bands um always and then he, he was also an, an elvis impersonator which was always also a, a, a super unique thing about my father so he had me playing in bars he, had, he got me this special license to play when i was about 14 years old so i was playing in local bars in oklahoma city and, and the yukon and Piedmont and you know wherever Oklahoma City since I was about 14. Wasting away now all my innocent days no more for a type You know I always look back on those days when I was obviously not good and I remember my dad gave, gave me this bit of advice he was like Kyle you're not the best but you know, the more you do this, the more you're going to be the best. And you, you got something different and you can't stop. So I never stopped. And I just got better and better and better. From there, I ended up moving to California, and then I was also a street performer on the Third Street Promenade for about two years as well. So, a lot of uh, a lot of my young musical life was spent playing in outside places, uh, small bars, open mics. You know, you you name it. I I, I would try to play it. <laughs> Speaking of your dad, doesn't he show up like at the beginning of Love Sick Doctor? That is my dad. 
My mom is also the voice on Guilty Party as well. She's like, what exactly is a Thunder Jackson is my mom. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but the lovesick doctor, I always think it's so funny. It's my dad, you know, I always forget about it sometimes. But my favorite movie ever is Apocalypse Now. Fred's Ford Coppola, and there's a scene at the end with Dennis Hopper, and he has this hippie voice, and he's like, hey, man, don't look him in the face, man. He was a kind man. He was a wise man. He had plans. He had wisdom. So I call my dad, and Lovesick Doctor has, you know, obviously has this kind of atmospheric, kind of out there, outer space kind of sound. So I was like, you know, Dad, can you... Can you put on your Dennis Hopper voice? Like, I'll write you this whole little screenplay, and you just send it back to me, and... Within one take, he sends that exact take back to me, and I was like, dude, you've you've absolutely smashed this. So <laughs> that went on the beginning of the record, and it's it's uh, it's near and dear to my heart now. I love it. See what it is, man. Just me and Thunder Jackson, man. I just, I just wish we had more time talking about, man. Yeah, it's a really great song, um, and it's got a lot going on. Like, I didn't catch it until I heard you say on a, a different interview, Lovesick Doctor is also LSD. I was like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I should have seen that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, when I describe it to people, and I try not to very often because I, I want people to kind of find out what the song means for themselves. But with that one, you know, I, I, I probably get the most questions out of any song I've ever written. Is that song like what's that song about? Stop looking at my rag doll eyes. Can you hold my cigarette? What color are the walls to I think I came back from the studio heavily off of a, a crazy psychedelic night. So I wanted to write a song about it. And I think the best way I was able to say that, I was like, the you know, lovesick doctor stands for it, so we could write from the perspective of meeting this man, lovesick doctor. This is the ballad of the lovesick doctor. Welcome to the stage, dancing on the Milky Way. Only man I ever loved. Only man I ever loved that way. This is the ballad of the lovesick doctor. Lost in space, dancing on the Milky Way. Only man I ever loved. This just like only man I've ever loved is sort of sort of a play on both words where love is circular it's universal i mean that's essentially kind of what the song's about and once you know that you'll go back and read the lyrics and they're pretty <laughs> pretty spot on to to that kind of moment could have been a reference to your dad. I think bringing him on sort of made the song find another meaning as well, where it was like bringing my dad on, where, where my dad's always been like most supportive parents I could ask for. So I feel like it just made sense to have him being like my kind of like safety blanket during like a lovesick doctor moment, you know? Like he's, he's the guy there that's like in the back of my head, like, you know, just me and Thunder Jackson, man. And that's just kind of my dad, a testament to my dad. He's always kind of like that rock, that force 
to, to keep you grounded, to keep you going. I think it's just something cool and lyrically about that song that kind of represents the allure and the strangeness of Thunder Jackson and, and as a project. I don't know, it's just something that, you know, every time I think I play that song, people are always like, what is this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that your mom asked, like, what's a Thunder Jackson? How did that exactly start? Because up until, like, L.A., you were kind of just, you know, performing as your, yourself. You know, it's my me and my producer Pete, who we've we've made the first record together, and uh, we're continuing making another record now. For for years, you know, I, I was working on his record with him. He was in a band called Until the Ribbon Breaks, and they're still putting out a record this year. Let's sit and count the lightning as it tears across the sky. So I was pretty much focused in working on his record with him, and. There's always this joke going around, like, you know, Kyle's got to have a name because his name's Kyle. So we always wanted to change Kyle. We never wanted to go with Kyle. And so there was one time we were camping or, or somewhere. I think I was looking up and there's a bunch of heat lightning. And I was like, man, that, like, what if my name was Thunder? And then Pete put Jackson at the end of it. And we put it in his voice memo or voice notes for forever. And then two years later it comes about and we're like, hey, you know, we should start this record back. We should try to find Thunder Jackson. Let them count the thunder Tonight's for you and I Once we said it, it just kind of like all made sense to who I was and who the project was going to be. And it, and it sort of created this character that we were able to write from a standpoint of, which was very much based off of me. <laughs> but I think essentially it, it started to veer off into this sort of anti-hero kind of guy. It was like, you know, what is Thunder Jackson? Who is Thunder Jackson? What would Thunder Jackson do in this situation? Uh, which made our writing a lot more fun. I I feel like I had a blast kind of writing that first record where it was very much a character-based uh, album where it was, you know, what exactly is a Thunder Jackson? And we sort of were figuring out what exactly was a Thunder Jackson while we were making it. I think we still are trying to figure out <laughs> what a Thunder Jackson is, but... It was like the first song we pretty much ever made was Guilty Party. We had this question in our head of like, what is a Thunder Jackson? So we just sent it over to my mom and she just goes, What exactly is a Thunder Jackson? And we were like, yes, this is perfect. I remember when Pete and I finished it, we did not think that it was like the song. It was just kind of like this very against the program of like how you write a song, like what is the chorus, what's the pre, like it was just kind of like this very fun song to us. I think it's what it did is it build this world around Guilty Party a little bit. I think that definitely was the like the stepping stone to the rest of the, the album. 
in, in my older days, I, I, I love what we did with that song and, I, and, and the lyrics are, are so so unique and so so strange for that time. And, and it, it did definitely create this like world building that we were able to base off of that song. Guilty party, dancing in the mess I made. Guilty party, pushing everyone away. had other songs that were bigger but every time we sent that one out it, it was just like it, the feedback we got was like oh this this is the song this is the song and i feel like every album or every something kind of has that moment where you kind of like find the sound to, to kind of pillar off of it's kind of what we're doing now i think we've kind of found that same song that we're pillaring off of but that was yeah that was always guilty party which you know thank god i mean i, I love i love the song now so we just kind of put the song out. We had we had no like management. We had no ties with uh, with with much of a label at that time, uh, so it kind of just did its did its thing on its own. Which was uh, there's some beauty in that, where it just the song itself just kind of carried us into into where we are now. It definitely seems like you were surrounding yourself at the beginning with a lot of like mystique and like. You know, is Thunder Jackson one man? Is it a band? Not really revealing too much outside of just the music. Yeah, we kind of did things different back then. I mean, I had like a paper bag over my face that said, who is Thunder Jackson? I had a cell phone that all, that all record labels could call. That's the only way you get a hold of me was a voice was a voicemail of my mom saying, hey, this is Thunder Jackson's phone. Call him back later. <laughs> and so basically, like labels had to get a hold of me through this cell phone that we put at the end of our music video. And it, and it worked. <laughs> oh, yeah. People called it. Oh, yeah. It was fun. <laughs> I think mystery is, is, is very cool. I think mystery is kind of missing in art a little bit. I think, I think what it does is it makes you listen to the music a lot more intently and, and it kind of immerses you into a world when you don't really know too much about what the artist is. You just know what their music is. And so I think the whole point of it was kind of to just direct people more to the art, less to the to the figure of the human. And, you know, I, obviously back then, paperback on my face was a little more gnarly than what I'm doing now, but I just I just feel like it's there's times and places to be present to show people who you are. And I think there's times and places to, to not always be be available and let, let the music speak for itself as much as you can. So you, you met Pete, like, while trying to catch a cab or something? Yeah, sort of. You know, it was like... A, uh, we were out at a bar in LA together and I just met him smoking a cigarette in the, in the smoking room. And, um, here we are back to smoking rooms <laughs> and, you know, we were just kind of talking about, I think it was, you know, something super cliche, like talking about an Alan Watts book or something. And, uh, you know, but next thing led to another and he goes, Hey, do you want to hop into this taxi and go to this next bar with me down the street? I was like, yeah, sure. 
So we get to the taxi and, and that's kind of where it all began as I started singing uh, Lover You Should Have Come Over by Jeff Buckley. He was like, who the hell are you, man? And I was like, oh, I'm just a 19-year-old kid floating around L.A. He's like, with a voice like that, he's like, well, you know, come back to my studio tomorrow and sing on a track. And I was like, okay. So usually in L.A., you meet somebody, you say you're going to do something, you never do it. And then about 9 in the morning, he's calling me. He's like, hey, I'd still love you to come sing this vocal on this track. So I go over to his studio, and, and kind of the rest is history. From the back of a taxi to... You know, damn near two records now. It's pretty crazy to pretty crazy to think about when I sit back and actually <laughs> think about that story of how we got to where we are. I'd really like to talk about um, that song SOS, um, since it seems like it's kind of about that journey from uh, like your decision to leave Oklahoma, your parents. Yeah, I think that song, um, that one or Lovesick Doctor are definitely my two favorite off the record for sure. Uh, I, I, that song, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much about a struggle. Uh, my mental capacity was deteriorating quite, quite rapidly and was going through a pretty tough time in my life where I was very confused and very uh, broken down by the society and the life that was surrounded by me. And, and, and you know, what was beautiful is when I was having this time in my life, you know, to call my parents and they had nothing but, but empathy and, and, and support and, and never wanted to leave me behind and made sure that I, that I kept pursuing, you know, what, what, what I set out to do, which was uh, prove to the world that I had something to say. I break, I'm in, I straighten out the bend, don't worry that, that I don't think of home. I've lost, I've lost, I've lost the way to say, help me, I can't make it on my own. Sort of when I got out of that moment, I, I think I went back to Oklahoma and sat with my parents and poured my heart out and told them where I was at in my life. And it was just nothing but, but loves and laughter. I just turned out the light, just don't let me I came back to L.A. and Pete's at the piano or I'm at the piano, I can't remember. And, and, and the words just started to pour out of us. You know, it was just, it helped me open my eyes. I'd like to see, I'm talking about empathy. Help me open my eyes. i like to see. Oh, I'm talking about empathy. Can you do that for me? Help me find. So that's left. S O S. I fix, I fold, I try to break the mold. 
The way that my parents helped me find this light that I just couldn't see, uh, and, all, and all I needed was not to feel alone. Going to SOS, where like you know you feel like you're deserted and you feel like you're alone, but at the end of the day, when somebody opens your eyes and gives you a bit of empathy and gives you a bit of support, I feel like you can always be saved out of this this deserted island you think you're on. Oh, I just turned out the light. Just don't let me leave. Just don't let me go. Help me open my eyes. I like to see. Is that how uh, you do a lot of writing to begin with, um, just on the piano? I would say 95% of the songs start from piano. Uh, start from piano, lyrics first, and then and then usually we produce around that. It's just the way that I, I, I write. I don't know. I can't. I don't really do a lot of production-based stuff first. Uh, I don't really do a lot of guitar first. It's just I, I feel like I, me and the piano always seemed like we were one together. A call from a past life Happens at the strangest times Sitting at a red light alone mm. I sit with the silence Just like we always did Say it isn't so Things sort of kind of pour out of me when, I, when I'm sitting at the piano much more than uh, any other instrument. Lyrics, lyrics always after that too. So I, I always try to have a song done before we get into production. And then from there, is it just about building layers on top of that? Yeah, it's just building the world, putting the puzzle together, you know? It's like, you know, anything can be a ballad. So we take a song where like, you know, it's definitely got some more energy and we're like, oh, let's, you know, add some more, you know, snap your drums, snap your this. always just a puzzle you know every song i don't feel like i've ever known exactly what direction to go into production wise with any song i feel like it's just a bunch of trial and error until you get to this sort of nirvana of the song where you feel like it's it's hitting its high point we counted the lightning it was miles and miles away said that you could feel the rain on the table and you left without the keys knew that you would come back around mm, how did you leave? Um, it, just, it just takes a while I mean that first record took us you know three years to make but don't really have that much time anymore so nowadays I feel like our decisions are becoming much more um, fast which I kind of like just kind of pick it and move on not overthink it, you know, and, I, and I, it's become a really beautiful process for me to just kind of let things be what they are. 
instead of trying to force them into a to the wrong size, you know? It's just a cathartic and, and beautiful feeling to just be, be more free. <laughs> Is there a spot that you like to, to write? Like, do you have a piano in uh, the place that you're living in, in LA or Oklahoma that you spend like hours on? My room is basically just a bed and a piano here in LA, <laughs> which is exactly what I need. I don't, I don't need much more. I'm a very simplistic human being when it comes to the houses and stuff. Um, my studio is that I use with me and my buddy Pete, who made the first record together. He's about 10 minutes down the road from me in Silver Lake. Um, but I would say for the most part, um, I'm just sitting here and I just, just write you know, I have my typewriter. I love typing on my typewriter. So I just sit and kind of hash out songs here and, and then bring them over to Pete's studio where, you know, we'll track a vocal, track a piano and, and, and kind of get the song going to where it needs to go. But yeah, I mean, it's very, very struggling artist over here where I'm at, just a bed and a piano, but I get the, but it's all I need. It's all I need in this world. Put me in an institution Writing on the typewriter or like trying to write lyrics, it really makes me think about the word because you can't can't mess it up. I've got a problem I cannot fix. I need some voodoo. Bring out the tricks. What can you prescribe? What can you prescribe? My thoughts become very just very into what it is. You know, I, I can't I can't sit and, and be like, oh, this word like might not work later. Just makes me be much more considered with what I'm saying and, and, and put much more conviction into into the lyrics. I'm more of much more of a writing down kind of lyric person. I have my journals, I have my typewriters. I just I just I don't know, I love writing things down. It gets a little lost in my phone. I feel like it's too easy just to delete a word and <laughs> start over. what your lyric like writing process is like then do you set out with like oh i'm feeling this or this thing just happened i want to write about that yeah you know i th i think there's i've realized over the years that there's not quite much of a process of like this is how i do it usually it stems from like what i do is you know when i'm driving or i go somewhere i'll see like a see like a line or see like a word right and I'll, and I'll type that into my phone and then I'll go back and look and or write that into my journal, wherever, wherever I'm at. And I'll try to basically like create a story off of this word that, that I that I that I saw. You know, it's like, for example, it's like I saw on a billboard, it, it said like, I'm somebody somewhere. And I was like, oh, I love that the sentiment of that of that line that we're all somebody somewhere in this world. And, and that's that's just enough, you know, and then I just go and kind of create a story around around that, you know, always kind of based from different scenarios in, in my life and what, what I perceive as reality to me and kind of just kind of fills in the blanks to get to this to this prompt. I feel like that's that's how I start a lot of them. Some of them do come from 
heartbreaks or loves or destructions of oneself, you know, uh, for sure. But I feel like they always start as something not as big as a concept as that. And I feel that they always turn into a bigger concept by the end of it. What was the most difficult song uh, off that first album uh, to write and produce? Find Yourself has 67 versions. (laughs) So I'm going to go with Find Yourself where that one just a lot of different a lot of different ideas were kind of thrown at that song um, to the fact that I started to resent that song quite a bit. By the end of it, I was just tired, uh, you know, 67 versions. And then we ended up going back to like the third version. You know? <laughs> so I just, but you know, like, sometimes you have to go there to know what, to know what you don't need. Yeah. Was it like the same like couple of tweaks that you were doing or was it like every time you listened to it, it was something different? Yeah, it was. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm sure I could go back and try to find all these different versions. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it was it was a ballad. It was a dance song. I was I was I was rapping on it. I was, you know, what, whatever. I was trying a million different things. We had a label at that time and uh, a bigger team, much bigger team at that time. So there's just a lot of ideas being thrown into thrown into the hat and and I was willing to try them all, you know, just to just to see, you know, I, 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 I'm always down to try it to know if I like the original thing is always still there. Um, so, yeah, that one that one took probably the longest and we started it the like pretty early in the record. And it was like one of the last songs we finished, which is super funny to think about. But <laughs> it's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, and it's funny that you ended up like with one of the the earlier versions being the final. Your first instinct is usually the best instinct, right? That's exactly it. You know, going back to the way things are much more faster now, I think your instinct has to just kind of be like, "This is good. Let's get, let's move forward." Which which I always feel like, I always feel like that's that's right. I mean, there's always times and places for things to improve and get better over time, but I feel like for the most part, what you, what you think you want to say and what you think you want to do is is pretty much. Pretty much the instinctive and right right choice to go with. Do you have an example of a song that just kind of was a seed that you found out in the wild, like a billboard or something somebody shouted out at a party? I feel like that was find yourself for, for us. I'm not a catch for the wounded. I'm not some easy prey. I forgot what I saw. It was like a billboard. It was and it was like I will be looking for you or something like that. And I, and I love the sentiment of your own self. Like, you know, if you can't find yourself, I'll be looking for you. Like you're constantly gonna keep looking for yourself and you're never gonna leave it astray. I'm not trying to be difficult. I just wanted to say, maybe I bend to the right. So that's kind of where that song kind of stemmed from was like, you speaking to your own self in the mirror that you're never gonna you're never gonna stop trying to search for who you want to be, even though you're never gonna find exactly who you want to be. And I just I just loved that. I had that in my notes, like that idea of like just looking at yourself in the mirror trying to find your own self and telling your own self that you'll never stop i just loved that idea i got no direction no i'm lost without you oh i'm lost without you oh i'm lost without you 
finally when we were in the studio, I just kind of, I brought that idea to the table and, and it, it just kind of built into to the world of what that song is now. Uh, which is funny because then I, then I ended up presenting that song. But. I got no direction, no, I'm lost without you. It's a beautiful lyric, but me imagining it like printed on a billboard, I'm imagining like some Scientology <laughs> advertisement, like come find yourself, exit 98. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could remember the exact billboard. I don't know, but they're everywhere. You know, there's, 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 there's inspiration anywhere you drive. You know, that's, I'm always, I'm always just so aloof. I'm always just looking around trying to find, trying, it's like a little puzzle that's just set up for you. Musically. Are you influenced by like any specific artists? Were there any songs or albums that you were listening to um, maybe for this last EP that you were like, oh, I want to really try this or this guy did something super cool? The last EP, I was listening to this guy a lot, Leif Volbeck. He's a Canadian singer-songwriter. And I heard this, this song on KCRW that he did. He did this KCRW um, it was called Hot Tears, and it was, it was just like had this you know the very very groovy drum loop, and and his lyrics were just so they cut through me so deep, and I was just like, man, this guy's like, he's not following this like formula of like making this pop song. It was like a five minute song, you know, it wasn't short, and it just really inspired me. You know, God in Oklahoma kind of stemmed from that, like having this very like groovy drum loop, but then writing very piano ballad over top of it but the piano still being the same. Maybe I'm just drawn to the one I can feel it coming to you hear the night from the river bridge I hear the thunder I have the storm in your skin on my Tell me what's the storm in the morning glory That's kind of where like, I just started to head even in the, in the new music. It, it's, it's becoming a lot more like song-based, um, very live-sounding, live drums, live bass, live singers, not so sampled and produced like the early stuff, um, which I feel like like influenced, like, you know, I, I, I love Paul Simon Graceland, I love Peter Gabriel so, you know, like pop records that really kind of push the boundaries of what popular music can be. Um, which which I don't think it has to be a three minute song. I think it can be anything that is that can be universally perceived, anything that people can like you know the masses can draw inspiration from. Um, and I just feel like there's a lot of artists that are that are kind of doing that. Dijon, Dijon's last record absolutely really inspired me quite a bit as well. Do you still take a long time to get ready? 
amazing kind of obscure album that doesn't really make much sense but it makes total sense to me <laughs> yeah it's one of those projects or one of those songs that you're like oh this feels tailor-made for where i'm at right now and who i am yeah that's kind of how dijon and lee fullback i was really during that during the ep i was really heavily into their music and then currently right now i'm, I'm just super into like harry nielsen and uh, Leon Russell and and John Lennon's first album, The Plastic Band. I've listened to, I've been listening to that one quite a bit. A lot of old school stuff on this new one, which has been kind of fun to pull those inspirations into this new world that I'm building. Um, it's been it's been quite fun. I heard that the first two albums that you ever got uh, from your dad were a Prince album and a Leon Russell album. It's Carney by Leon Russell and Sign of the Times by Prince were the first two records I ever, I ever owned. And uh, I listened to those albums <laughs> front to back many, many times. And that's kind of where I got to my Prince world. Sign of the Times, I think, is it's my favorite Prince album. It just kind of has every genre, and it was just so unapologetically Prince, and I just, I just fell in love with them from day one. If you're a Prince super fan, like he made Purple Rain, do you draw a lot of inspiration from like cinema? I do. I have a projector. A lot of the times that when I'm writing, I'll project the movie onto the wall, and I feel like there's a there's a really beautiful marriage between the film and music. Anytime I watch a movie, I, I always get so inspired to go sit at my piano and write something from from that movie. And yeah, Prince is a great example. He has another record that he made for this movie called Parade. And he has a song on it called Sometimes It Snows in April. It's my favorite Prince song ever made. I just love that, you know, obviously he was basing it off of this this love story that, he's, that he sees in this, in this movie. J.C. died soon after a long fall. Civil War. Obviously, you know you take personal things into your songs, but you, but you're able to create or find a scenario, especially through a film, that you might have not thought of, and and then all of a sudden you can kind of immerse yourself into that scenario, and it becomes a song. And I think that's what film does really well: is it allows you to embrace this strange that you never thought you'd find. And then it's right there in front of you. Sometimes it snows in April. Sometimes I feel so I think I caught a show of yours at Tower once. And um, yeah, you and your band all felt like characters pulled from like the 80s or 70s. Yeah, man, I love that band, man. They're a bunch of good guys. Uh, I think they hate me sometimes for what I have to, what I make them dress up in. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, it's just kind of like my my thing. It's like I never leave, never leave your house without an outfit on. Never, never play a show without dress to to the most you can be dressed to. And it's it's just it's important to me. I think it's important to the art to like it stands out. I mean, obviously you saw that. You, it stands out how how you're dressed and. 
it's just kind of a thing I do. And I just, I just love putting on a costume. <laughs> it seems like with Thunder Jackson, um, you really wanted to like craft a persona away from the, the actual person. I think I tried. I think they've they've definitely blended. <laughs> it's like they've blended nowadays. But I think that was my that was my initial goal was was definitely to to create a character one hundred percent. But I think over time that character starts to blur into your daily life and and uh, you know sometimes I'm Thunder Jackson and sometimes I'm Kyle Bradley. You know I think it's kind of just the yin and the yang to both. I don't know which one's worth worse or better. <laughs> Is it something that you're aware of when you're like um, performing or writing songs like, oh, is this a Thunder Jackson song or is this a song from Kyle? You know, I I, I feel like I, I used to think like that. I, I don't really much anymore. I feel like it's a lot of the stuff, especially nowadays, just feels like Thunder Jackson. Like I'm just kind of found, kind of found what, how it works. But uh, I still lyrically have to do that. I lyrically have to be like, what would Thunder Jackson do, you know? how would Thunder Jackson perceive the situation? And it's just, I always just think of this Thunder Jackson character, this man, very like a Harry Nielsen, like in his robe with the cigarette, you know, like sitting in the back being like, yo, well, I would do this, you know? And it's just, I kind of find this silly little story in my head about Thunder Jackson. And then I just, then I go right back to the piano. This little movie I'm writing in my head about this character. <laughs> it's like a musical, I feel like. I feel like the new stuff's very like, it's following, it's very it's like musical based telling a story through very melancholy melodies. <laughs> Where did you record this last EP? Uh, I recorded that here in LA with a buddy of mine, Rylan Blackington. He's an absolute legend. He uh, played he played bass. We did a Colors remix uh, in between the EP and the album. He played bass on it. He was in some big bands back in the day, but you know, me and him just were dropping some calls and we just kind of kind of got along and me and my producer, Pete, we took a little break from each other. Um, so uh, I went with Ryland and uh, we just kind of hit it off right from the right from the get go. And uh, Chet Faker sent me over this beat that I had. And that was kind of the first thing that we kind of started with. We show up and I kind of already had this song to kind of base the EP off of Ryland, you know, kind of put his production to it. We needed to get something out pretty quick. So it was it was a good test to just like make something, let it be what it is and, and, and just go. Take me back to the life. After that, I left LA and I came back out here about a month later. And that's when we kind of finished uh, God in Oklahoma and How Did You Leave? But God in Oklahoma was, you know, I think it's like one of my favorite songs I've written. You know, I think it has such a, an amazing meaning about, you know, you can find, you can find beauty in, in these small pockets of your life that you never thought you could again. 
And so I, I thank Ryland a lot for kind of pulling that out of me um, and, and helping me find that kind of message that I was kind of searching for at that time. Yeah, you posted on Instagram uh, about the song and you wrote uh, that this song is a reminder of the beauty out there in the world and that you were worried that you would never find it again. Where were you in life? What were you going through at this time? I was I was just in LA and it was just right after that record and and I was going just I was going through a heartbreak. I was going through this sort of like imposter syndrome where I was like didn't really know what I wanted to do anymore. Like I didn't know music wasn't really making sense to me anymore like it used to. Um I was just kind of struggling with a lot of chasing or running away more running away from the things that I needed to not run away from but I just kept running and running and it just made me really kind of go down this dark hole of like you know I almost quit music I almost I almost you know just decided to live this other life because I just couldn't figure out who I wanted to be anymore until I moved back to Oklahoma and all it did was feed me with inspiration and support and i just found beauty again i found beauty and in, in, in living again i found beauty and and creating again and it was and it wasn't through this big bright lights of los angeles of new york or london it was it was through sitting in the back of a truck smoking a cigarette with my best friend since fourth grade hanging out with my parents at dinner it was it was sitting and making music for no reason besides why would we do anything else? This is what we love to do. Do you miss late night driving? Do you miss the noise? Counting white lines on the freeway, holding court with the boys. It's a crime, it's a shame what they did to you then. But you were infinite. You were lost. It just kind of brought me back to like why I love to do it. And, and why I do it, which is to, to inspire and show people that anybody can chase what you want to chase. Did you know The earth stood still You found beauty in the moment Coming home back to it Coming home, coming home back When you had your And that's what Oklahoma is to me. It's it's it's, it's this place that can, can be walked over, but it's it's it has some of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in my life. People, the the energy. It's it's a small pocket that you think is small, but I think it's the biggest place in the world. And you have every opportunity to glance over it and just say, "Oh, Oklahoma!" And I just think there's something special about it that I, that I can't describe until you until you get there and you see it. You know, I think it showed me, it showed me the other side, which is where we're at now. The earth is still, you found beauty in the morning, coming on back to it, coming on, coming on back. I really want to know, you know, and I'm sure everyone wants to know, what's next? <laughs> You know, what's next is uh, 
we're, we're working, working hard away. I've written about, I don't know, 15 or 20 songs already. Uh, so we're very much in this rhythm right now where I, where I, I just feel me, I feel in such a different spot in my life where like, I kind of know what I want to say and what I want to portray in this new album. And I, I, you know, I would say just keep, tell people to keep holding on till, till the summer and we'll have something to them. Uh, and they can judge it, judge it how they want to then. When you had your fill, you found God in Oklahoma. Coming on back to it. Coming on, coming home back. To find out more about Thunder Jackson and a full list of the songs that were included in this episode, go to KOSU.org. Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KOSU and Oklahoma State University. Our editor is Ryan LaCroix, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Viriapa.